This is 2021. This is the Betfred Super League. Be ready. everyone and welcome along to the latest edition of Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast, sponsored and supported, as always, by Rugby League's major sponsor, Betfred. Perhaps, though, we should rename this week's edition because Steve-O is busy with the builders in his sumptuous Sydney mansion, and so he's had to duck out this week. And filling the void, I am delighted to say, is my very good friend, Sky's own Barry McDermott, who's waiting to talk to us now, Baz, thanks for joining us. Trust you are well and enjoying this first week of freedom. Oh, my pleasure, Eddie. It won't be the first time that I've stepped in for the great man, will it? Um, many, many years ago when, when you and uh, our good friend Nev gave me and my ugly stepsister the opportunity <laughs> to, to show what we were all about on Sky. We're often when, when Steve-O was, was otherwise engaged. So, yeah. Um, as you know, as I've said many times, I love listening to the podcast and it's a privilege and a pleasure to be on, Ed. Looking forward to the next whatever, next half hour or so, talking all things rugby league. Brilliant, Barry. That's that's what we like to hear. Well, OK, um, as ever, we've got a lot to get through. Let's start with the positives. First of all, Wembley. A great weekend for both St. Helens and Featherstone Rovers. Loved it, loved it. I mean, I didn't watch too much of the 1895 Cup. I was across it on my phone, as we all are these days. And uh, Featherstone are a, are, a, are a great side. And um, a, a lot like most people have, have been through a little bit of stuff in the, the last two years or so. And uh, I was pleased for them, delighted for them, because they're a good old-fashioned club. But there's a little bit of it that was sad, because York are, are such a... a, a a prospect, aren't they? When you look at what they're doing with the new ground and James Ford, the coach, the side that they've assembled, you know, they, they, although they didn't perhaps show up on the day, they're a good side that have got a massive future in front of them. And who knows if you listen to certain people, you know, Shane, Shane Richardson in particular, they, they should be at that top table because of the prospect and the, the potential that they do have. So, so that's, that's that first 1895 cup. Um, Featherstone, delighted to see them win, but but what a game we had. I think that's the best final we've had for a good few years. Um, Cass in the first half really outplayed Saints, but Saints did what they do best. They, they played at that high intensity, and when Cass started to get a little bit tired, they just tightened the screw a little bit, and, and Saints, through that big game experience, through the intensity that they like to play at, they, they, you know, they came out worthy winners. In the end, um, I was I was fascinated with the with the man of the match, the Lance Trophy. Every year we go through the same rubbish, don't we? We we we're scratching our heads, thinking why are we 
asking the people that vote on the man of the match with 10 minutes of the match to go who they think was the man of the match. I, don't, I might get your opinion on it. And Nile Evels had a, had a fabulous game. But my my own vote was was for James Roby. What did you think, Ed? Well, Roby was was outstanding, particularly in the second half. He's a he's a fantastic leader, isn't he? And uh, and Christian Wolf this week has, has spoken about him. And even at thirty five, he wants him to carry on. He wants him to go on and lead the club uh, to even greater heights, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, and why wouldn't you? I mean, Gary Connolly said it to me in sort of back end of my time at Leeds. Well, you know, while I was playing a different role for the Rhinos, let's put it that way, playing a lot of games off the bench, which I always hated um, under, under the coach at the time. But Gaz Connolly said, you, you know, you're a long-time retired, keep playing until, you know, they stop picking you. And no matter what role or what job that you're given, just just try and enjoy the challenge of, of, of fulfilling that that role and, and that, uh, that position in the team. But James Roby, you know, he was my prediction for the Lance Todd. He was my personal pick. For the Lance Todd, but you know, there's there's a few others as well. I thought Lachlan Coote, he's going to be a it's going to be a big loss for Saints when he leaves. Um, Isn't he? Isn't what he? a player he is, and and the 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 dynamics of a modern day team means that you know it used to be in the in the eighties and nineties that you'd have a ball playing loose forward, you'd have a loose forward that could have a a short offload, and he'd break the game up through through that craft and and cunning around around the play of the ball around the middle, but in the modern day game, the the fullback is just uh, you know a different a different level to everyone else in terms of what he does for the team defensively, how he organises the team defensively, but but then particularly what he does with the ball. And I thought that the the experience that he showed, the guile that he added towards towards some of those uh, attacking players that Saints have got, um, you know, I just thought he was he was outstanding. But then I understand. But you've got to find a place for Jack Wellsby, who came on and changed the game for me. He came on, set up that try uh, with a wonderful pass for, for for Makinson. But his energy and his enthusiasm, and you could see, couldn't he? he? Was comfortable at that on that stage, comfortable in that kind of do or die game. He he really stepped forward. Some players get overawed by by your Wembley experience, but he just loved every minute of it and. You know the the big thing that that was evident to me, and I, I'll be honest, Eddie, I was I was on holiday in Whitby with with family and the the male members of of the McDermott clan. We found a pub, we watched it on on the big screen in a pub with with uh, fans from Hulkear, fans from Cass, and and a, a big gang from Leeds, and we had an absolute ball. But as we were watching the game unfold, as we watched the victory. And, and the trophy lift, I could see that those players from St. Helens who'd worked so hard, I think it was 13 years since they last lifted it, but that group had worked so hard over the last couple of years. Many of them lost in that game against Warrington a few years ago. They loved it, didn't they? I'm thinking of players like Kyle Amor, LMS, who'd, who'd been there and done that in the Super League and in the league, they'd, you know, they'd got to lift the big prize. But for the Challenge Cup and and the victory that they got on that day, they were, you know they they treasured it. You could see how much it meant to them, and and that's great to see in the modern game. It's it certainly is. I mean, there were there were six twelve down Saints at half time, as you said. Castleford had a, a great first half. It was a hot old day, wasn't it? Do, and Castleford maybe with a few more thirty somethings than Saint Helens. Do, do you think the heat got to them? Maybe Ed. Um, 
what I, I mean, as I say, I watched it. I watched it in a pub, and I still had my my analytical head on, even when I was drinking San Miguel every every ten <laughs> to twelve minutes. But what I thought was the the tactics from Pauli and his side were play the game quick, offload the ball, keep moving that side that Saints have got around, and and, and obviously they scored a couple of tries off the back of it. They looked in a commanding position, and it, it's that old adage, isn't it? The, the halftime uh, whistle or bell just just was was the thing that they didn't want because they were in full control of that ball. And then when Cass started to make a couple of mistakes, that's when Saints looked at their best. So Cass got tired, made a couple of mistakes. Some calls went against them. That that controversial try, my word, you wouldn't want to be. Yes. You wouldn't want to be the the bloke with the whistle or the bloke in the you know in the um, the video ref box there because there was almighty pressure under both of those people, all officials, indeed, to get it, to get it right. And um, I thought at the time that it was the wrong call. I thought at the time, the more I watched it, I thought, oh, I'm not sure about that. I've gone back, and you know me, Ed, with the <laughs> guidelines of the game, I only, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I only pay lip service to me, but I, but I did. I went. I went back, asked um, asked a mate of mine who's who's a referee, and said, "What is the exact phrase in the book? What, you know, what is the exact law?" Um, and I don't know whether they got that decision right. Which you know, you're I'm, talking I'm, about Regan Grace, are you? Jumping yeah. from outside the field of play, feet in the air as he patted the yeah. ball back to James Roby. Yeah. I I remember a, a match that we did. Uh, I'm sure you made reference to that, and I think you got an earful from Neville Smith. Yeah. That no one can jump from outside the field of play absolutely. and be involved. Yeah, again. absolutely, absolutely. So I, maybe he's wrong, Barry. Maybe yeah. maybe the great Nev is wrong. No, I'm not having that. He's <laughs> never knowingly wrong. Anything. But a bit like O'Connor. That's the thing they do have in common. But um, I, I don't. I don't choose to focus on that. It, it was a, you know, it was a moment that that I think probably had an influence on the game. But ultimately, I think the best team won. I think Cass did themselves a, a, a massive amount of of, uh, of good and, and, and come out of the game with a lot of credit. As we said when we were talking about this podcast, Ed, I would have loved to have seen Paolo lift that trophy because yes. he's done he's done so much for Cass. He's done so much to lift Cassford Tigers from from sort of ninth, eighth, seventh, whatever you view them as, into a into a top team and into a, a team that challenges on a regular basis for for honours and you know 2017 grand final was their best chance previous previous to this final on on another game with another bounce of the ball with another ref video ref they might have got the benefit of that and let's just say it was a 50-50 call that went against them but uh, the balance of that game was just starting to tip in my opinion Cass looked tired you're right the age of some of the players may well have played a part the, the self-confidence and self-belief maybe just started to wane a little bit because Saints have been in those moments before. They've ridden those moments before. They've come through those moments before. So they stepped forward and they, they, they seized their opportunity. And uh, like I said, best final, uh, best Challenge Cup final we've had in a while because I was there when Leeds and Salford played uh, in 2020. I was one of about 35 people rattling round uh, Wembley, you know, it was a, a bizarre experience. And, and I don't think the Leeds-Salford game, you know, it was nowhere near the quality, nowhere near the standard that that game was. But, of course, the, 
the fans and the atmosphere, you know, it, it does matter. It does make a difference. And oh, it does, it does yeah. motivate those players. Um, it can feel like a training run at, at, at times. And we've been there when we've been calling games, uh, myself and Tez, and, and you just, you know, you just think, God, good luck to these players here because I don't know how you would build yourself up and, and get yourself into the right physical and emotional state with nobody watching. It, it's interesting that because I remember when I bowed out, it was at um, it was at Wigan. There was yeah. twenty odd thousand there, and I watched all the way through last year. And my heart went out to you guys in the commentary box. You know, you you were building something in a, an empty stadium, rattling round. I've no doubt your voices were being echoed around the stadium. Probably yeah. players were looking up at yeah. the gantry and saying, "What's yeah. he What's he talking about me like that for?" Yeah. Um, it, it's been a tough old eighteen months, Barry, hasn't it? It really has. It has, but what we've tried to do, you know, whoever the commentary team have been and, and presentation team is, 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 you know, feel that responsibility to portray the game in the best light possible and, and, and go forward with it. And hopefully the viewing experience of the people at home is, is, is different in, and we're not giving our little bit of, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're, the fact that we're rolling our eyes as we look around before a game. Hopefully that then doesn't portray to the to the to the the bloke sat at home or the family sat at home waiting to cheer on their team. So yeah, no, it was we, difficult at times, but uh, but trust me, it was nowhere near as difficult as some of those players, officials, coaches that had to build themselves up to the right level to get out there each and every week. Well, trust me, it, it lost nothing at home here because I sit in front of the telly every week and shout and bawl at you all, as you would expect, yeah. just as people shouted and bawled at me for 30 years. So I'm giving a bit back to you, but I must say, I'll take my hat off to all of you on the Sky commentary team and presentation team to keep it going the way you have has just been, been outstanding. Just before we leave St. Helens, um, look at their recent record. League leaders 2018-2019, champions 2019-2020, challenge cup holders now 2021. Four seasons of unparalleled success for the Saints and everybody since the very first weekend of this season has been tipping them again for a third Super League crown in a row. Do you think it's going to happen? Well... As we know, it's very difficult to maintain that intensity, the right standards throughout the season. I don't know whether the team from France will get a will get a a little look at Old Trafford this year. I just like the way that they're playing. Um, they've they've mastered the travel element of, of their season. They've got some good experienced campaigners. They've got the right balance between Aussies, Kiwis. English lads, if you you know you count Sam Tompkins and, and Tom Davis, English lads, um, and then the, the 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 French national players as well. I, I think Catalan, you know, could well be in that grand final if it's against St. Helens. I thought you were going to ask me whether they were the greatest team of the summer era because I've had a couple of my pals asking me that: Are they the greatest team that that we've seen in the summer league era? I well, think, the Saints, I think it's, a, it's a toss of a coin between them yeah. and Leeds, isn't it? I think uh, for me, yeah. I mean, the Saints side of of sort of the the early noughties with with Scully and and Longy and Kieran, that was a good side. And listen, I'll, uh, most weeks I've got my blue and amber t-shirt on underneath me uh, me commentary kit, but that side that they class as the golden generation from two two seven to to, to two eight eight. 17, 18, that, 
that decade there, I think they were a formidable side. Um, and then this one now. So, so yeah, it's often it's often an interesting debate in it which side um, is is the best side. I, I grew up in an era where Wigan absolutely dominated everything yeah. in in the late eighties and early nineties, and went in eight years to the Challenge Cup final and beat all before them. So, so yeah, I, I would always love and, and and have that debate, but I, I think it depends which. Which side of the Pennines you're from? It depends which side you support. I'm sure there would be some impartial fella on the moon that would be able to sort <laughs> sort the argument out. Um, but but yeah, he still might be wrong, no, no matter which pub he's arguing it in. So no, correct. I think I think Saints have got uh, a, a little dip coming because they've been you know they've been outstanding, haven't they, for such a long time? They've got a little dip coming as we as we often say. It's not the week after the final. It's maybe two or three weeks down the track when then that euphoria has died off and you know they start to just you know take in take into consideration what what journey is in front of them because we're about the halfway point now aren't we? oh no we're over the halfway oh, point well fact, it depends yeah. it depends which club you yeah. are really there's some have played 10 and some have played yeah. 13 but we're around about the halfway point and you're right to point catalan dragons out i mean they had the the second half comeback, a la Wembley for Saints uh, against Leeds in Perpignan on Friday night. Uh, and you're right to point out the fact that they've got a great balance. I'm so impressed, Barry, I'm sure you are, with some of the French youngsters, Morgue, Laguerre, when he's picked. Uh, and the other two who played at the weekend, was it uh, Seguer and uh, Desiree? I mean, yeah. it, it all looks fantastic for the future for them, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I like Gudemon. He's a yeah, he's good, he's isn't a, he? He's a loose forward stroke front row. Um, I remember putting a, a, a young side together two or three years ago of, of prospects that I thought would make a big impact on Super League, and he's he's probably not had quite the steep incline of, of progress that I thought he would have because because he's a big fella. He's a front row. He's just learning how to use that body and that big body that God's given him. But I, I think they've got lots of prospects and a good pal of mine, Steve Deakin, did a lot of work in that in that part of the the, the club and the environment and the culture of of the Catalan Dragons a couple yeah, of years I saw, ago. I saw Steve at Wembley. He was he, he looks in good shape. He's, I know he's going. I know he's going through a little bit at the moment, but I, I know he's in, he looks in in rude health. I must say. Yes, he's okay for a lad from Saint Anne's. Um, Saint Anne's <laughs> on, on Waterhead are bitter enemies, but I don't mind him. I don't mind him buying me a coffee every now and then, and we like to we like to shoot the breeze and and, and talk about the good and the bad in in the game. But but Arthur Morg is a player that everybody's excited about, and I did the game. So there was Leeds Catalan and Catalan Leeds in successive weeks. I did the Leeds Catalan game and he scored a try that reminded me so much of Rob Burrow. And Rob Burrow mm. um, is is a unique player in any era. And some some people have compared him to the great Roger Millward from 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 the whole KR era. Um, but but Rob Burrow's spirit was alive and well in Artemog's try that he scored. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of uh, good times to come from Catalan if they can manage to harness and cultivate and keep working on those on those local players born and bred in France that can benefit from being alongside the Mike McMeekins and the Sam Tompkins of this world and and the, the Josh Drinkwaters and James Maloney's no, that no. will will only get, you know like I said enhance their education and apprenticeship. 
Indeed so. Um, a little bit nearer to home, uh, Wigan. They just managed to get home 14-12 at Huddersfield. What a what a season of disappointment for the Giants, you know, uh, and their new coach Ian Watson. This isn't this isn't the way it was meant to be. And also this week announced that Aidan Caesar is off to Leeds in 2022. Not the best news uh, with Huddersfield propping the table up. Only Lee, only Lee are down there below them. Yeah, if I look at Huddersfield first and foremost, I think that the the squad is starting to un, un, untangle now, isn't it? There's there's quite a few players that if you if you believe what you hear may may be leaving the the Giants, and that's part because they don't fit with Ian Watson's plans, and part because the way that Ian Watson is asking his side to play isn't quite as appealing for certain players, but. One the bright spark, if I'm going to focus on 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 something positive, is is Will Price. What a player he is, Ed. What a player. Um, this is Leon's son. Le, Leon's son, and um, I've I've heard quite a bit about him. I've never watched him um, live until he's made his first team involvement. But Andy Kelly's always spoke really highly of him. Um, he said that you know he's got many of Leon's good attributes. And if Leon was on this podcast, he might talk about some of the things he didn't quite work hard enough on and he looks back and would have done differently. I don't think you can say that about Will Price. Um, Will Price is is, is potentially huge. Um, he's got a lot of things that, that will benefit Huddersfield Giants in the future. Maybe Huddersfield Giants are looking at Aidan Caesar and thinking, well, you know, you've come in, you've lifted the club, you've given us... You've given us what we needed at the time. But, you know, if we're going to invest, if Andy Kelly is going to spend all his time working with the academy uh, and bringing on players like Sam Hewitt and Fenton Rogers, who was in the squad at the end, then we've got an obligation to give those players the opportunity and, and give them the chance to uh, to, to thrive and, and, and excel on the, on the highest level. If and I look that would up, be a refreshing, wouldn't it? Yeah. A refreshing attitude, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for Lee Drynos, my old team, the 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 Aiden Caesar, Caesar signing is is a, a useful part of the jigsaw that that Leeds need. Robert Louis this year has been nowhere near as influential he was in his first year. He's struggled with fitness and many other things that aren't quite going his way. But he's but he's an old fella now, isn't he? He's past his best. So to bring Aiden Caesar in, he'll, he'll be a a perfect complement for Luke Gale. He's a he's a, a big part of the jigsaw piece for. Puzzle, sorry for uh, for the rhinos. So, so I'm delighted to see him wearing blue and amber next year. But for Wigan, yes. Eddie, um, they've needed these two victories, haven't they? The the, the pressure on <laughs> Just it, Adrian Lamb was huge. You could feel it in the ground when we did that first game, Huddersfield. Uh, it was actually Wigan against Huddersfield. You could feel it in the ground. Um, they weren't. They weren't confident they were going to beat Huddersfield, but but once once they got that victory, what they were looking at and what you could feel from the crowd is right. Come on, let's have some progress. Let's have some 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 quality to to this to this performance. But a lot like everyone else, they've had to rely on some very very young players. Sam Hartsall brought back from Newcastle from this game, and some players having a, a lot more game time um, than they should. At, at this at this point in their career, so sometimes players get the opportunity on at the highest level because it's the chance and it's it's their opportunity because they're ready for it. Other times they get the opportunity because there's no one else, 
And that's, I think, case in point for, 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 for the Warriors at the minute. There's nobody Indeed. else available. Uh, and they needed a, a few new faces to come in, and they, they've announced three new signings this week. I must confess, Barry, uh, I've never heard of um, Abbas Miski from London. He replaces the retiring Don Manfredi. And two forwards from the NRL as well, Cade Ellis and Patrick Mago. Uh, Ellis from St. George Illawarra and Mago from the Rabbitohs. I mean, yeah. The Wigan fans I know are saying, who the hell are they? Yeah. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? Ellis, 22 NRL appearances. And uh, the big fella, Maygoal, has got 34 appearances for, for a couple of different clubs. So, you know, it's probably an indication of where we are in the market, where, where the game, where Super League is in the market and who we can attract and, and exactly how much of the budget and the salary cap you have to spend on those players probably isn't what it was in, in those, you know, those, those noughties and 2010, 11, 12, where the, where the player that was coming over from the Southern Hemisphere was, was a different player. But let's look at the player that's coming from the Broncos. He's a, he's a try scorer him. I, 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 I'm like you. I don't know an awful lot about him. But when I speak to people who do, they say that this kid can can play, can score tries. He's going to fill the gap that Don Manfredi will leave. Sadly, he'll have to retire because of too many injuries. But um, the positive of, of the players that Wigan have signed is they're all in their early to mid-20s. So they've they've got time on their side. They're coming over at the right time of their career. And, and they're not going to be players that are past their sell-by date and, and, and looking for a, for a pension at the end of a successful career. No, exactly. Uh, and, and again, that's, that's good to know and good to see. Uh, OK, we've had all the positive news so far. Uh, not such good news. Uh, the World Cup, given the go-ahead last week, but the NRL, Australian Rugby League, they've yet to sign off from taking part. Now, you can understand it with the coronavirus still raging away in this country. But honestly, Barry, deep down, do you think this World Cup is going to go ahead? I've absolutely no idea, no idea, because we, we get the inside track, don't we, Ed? And we've got all manner of contacts that you speak to and you're trying to get what's the feelings, what's the thoughts, what's the inside information. I'm just getting conflicting views all over the place. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what my heart wants. My heart wants a successful World Cup. If Australia decide that they can't send a side because... Quarantine will take two weeks of rest off the agreed period of time because that's what it's all about. Ed. The NRL players get an, an agreed amount of time that they are guaranteed that the clubs sign off on when they play internationals, World Cups, whatever it is, they get an amount of time that they are given off. What what the what the negotiation is is if those players have to do that in quarantine, does it come off the players' own personal time or does it bite into that? I, I think it's eight weeks. It might be ten weeks. Forgive me, I've not written it down. But it, um, does it come off the, the, the sum total of, of weeks that they get agreed off at the clubs? I think that is absolute BS me. I'd have walked on broken glass to play in a World Cup and very often... When you did play in the World Cup, you'd end up you'd only have a, probably two weeks off before before you'd feel compelled to get back into pre-season training because guess what the lads that didn't play in the World Cup had started training two weeks before you'd finished playing. So I think it's 
And I'm an ex-player, Ed. I'm trying to put myself in the mind space of, of the players that are playing both in, in the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere. I think it's I think it's poor, I do. I think that you can, as a player, if you can't put two weeks aside, four weeks aside, whatever it is, to first of all get the opportunity to play and potentially win a World Cup, or second of all, do the right thing for the game. The game in, in, in our country, the game in the Northern Hemisphere, it needs it. It needs it. The RFL need the interest that will be generated from the World Cup, the national profile, the international profile. The game needs it. So if Australia turn around and say, well, we're not sending our team, I wouldn't be against the likes of James Maloney and Matt Pryor and some of the players that are playing in this hemisphere saying, right, well, We'll wear the green and yellow of Australia. We'll we'll represent the kangaroos and we'll make sure that we fulfil those fixtures. It might not matter a jot. England still might not get through to the final. It still might be Australia and New Zealand or Tonga and New Zealand. But we will have done our absolute best. I've gone on a rant there, but I just think, Eddie, if the Australians turn round and, and Phil Gould gets his way and, and they turn round and say, well, we're not coming, let's crack on without them because the game is bigger and Australia and the NRL and the, the international game and the world presence of rugby league that is due to take part in this World Cup needs this World Cup to take place. Now, as we record this now, I've just listened that the Tokyo Olympics, you know, they've got 70, 80 people that have gone down with COVID and that now is putting severe doubt in terms of the uh, Olympics taking place. Now, if that is the case for the World Cup in the autumn, then that's a different kettle of fish. But losing out on two weeks of your holiday and your annual leave, uh, that's not a good enough reason for me. Well, you're singing off the same hymn sheet as Steve-O about that, I can tell you. But you're right to point out to uh, the, the dangers of the COVID because it is still a problem over here. Hulkingston Rovers haven't played for five weeks. Warrington and Lee is off this week. That's the 13th fixture, 1-3. 13 fixtures have been lost to coronavirus in 2021. I suppose when you look at it like that and take off the idea that players aren't prepared to give up their time freely to make sure the World Cup goes ahead, you just take the medical evidence. It's no wonder the NRL is being just a little bit cautious. The COVID is running rife in society. There's 40 odd thousand yesterday. You know, the, the games that have been affected, it's, it's the likes of Hulk R, Leeds, Huddersfield, Hull, Salford, Wyatt, Cass. Everybody's been, if, and in future, you know, the, the teams that haven't had games cancelled, they'll have a little knock on effect as well. We're, we're doing what we did last year. We're trying to remain positive. We're trying to keep the wheels turning and make sure the game still gets played to a, a respectable and a credi creditable uh, standard. And at the end of the year, I, I was one of the, the, those people, Ed, I don't know whether you were the same, when it was, you know, wins, losses and percentages on the fixture on the league table, I was like, forget that last column. We're not going to need that. We're all done with COVID now. Now that we're all double jabbed and we're on round 10 to 13, depending on who you are, 10 to 14, sorry, depending on who you are, I was looking at it thinking we won't need the percentage, but it looks like we will. We will. It? it looks yeah, it like we'll, we'll get to the end. And after you've played your 18 games, I think it is, 
you've, after you've played your 18 games, you've got your win percentage, then we'll get down to the playoffs. And uh, do you know what, though, Ed? I, I, I'm really looking forward to the to the second half of the season because I think, we, you know, you can put a case forward for nearly everybody, apart from the teams that you've mentioned at the bottom, the Huddersfields and, and the Lee Centurions. Uh, you can put a case forward for everybody getting a run of games and making it to that top six. And if you can get the right teams in the right form and fit well and healthy at the back end of the season, who's to say that Castleford Tigers can't make a good push? Who's to say that, you know, dare I say, Leeds Rhinos can't make a push? Who's to say that Hulk Yaru, who haven't played for five weeks, as you've said, aren't in the right vein of form, that they just about get themselves into into that sixth spot as they are at the minute, as we stand, and for the first time get themselves in the playoffs. I'd love to see Hokiar um make a good fist of it. And and like I say, I want to see I want to see a new team in the final and, and I'd like to think that the Dragons, if they can can keep that consistent performance going, because it's always been about the consistency and the lack of it. That's what you can always chuck at the Dragons and and that nearly always comes down to the disruption of travel and and all the other things that they have to deal with. But they look like they've got it right this year, Ed. They really do. They do. They do. And, and just to, to touch again on Catalan and the, the final piece of bad news today, the, the television deal in the south of France, the contract ended last Friday in the game against Leeds. Now, apparently, the Catalan Dragons have been covering the production costs so far. Massive amount of money, obviously. Yeah. It's a, a big financial commitment. And they're still sort of, it's up in the air whether... Uh, that will continue. But you're right, the playoffs are coming up. Catalan top of the table. Looks like they could get to Old Trafford. It, this is poor timing, isn't it? This is poor timing for Catalan. Yeah, it's a desperate shame for Bernard Guash. He's ploughed so much energy, emotion and, and of course, finances. We had Sam Tompkins on, on the presentation uh, a couple of weeks back and I was in with him, I was chatting. And I, I look, look, I... They're my second team, Catalan Dragons. I always look for their result. I want them to do well. Partly because, you know, I, I think that the growth of the game in a, in another place that's not along that strip of land between Liverpool and Hull, when they're doing well, just like I like to see London doing well. I am an expansionist. I'm, I'm a traditionalist because I'm an oldener, but I'm an expansionist because I want the game to spread and I want everybody to see what... What, what a good product we've got. But I, but I look at the way that they're playing now and it deserves to be on TV. The people who are occasional uh, viewers, if you like, of, of sport on TV, they deserve to watch Catalan Dragons because they're a good side to watch. They're big in the middle, they're fast on the edges, they're creative with with Tompkins and Artemorg and Maloney and Drinkwater, as we've mentioned. They're a great side to watch. So it would be a desperate shame if the people that could be persuaded to watch that team weren't able to watch that team because they're not being broadcast on, on TV. So fingers crossed, Eddie. You need to get into that deep bank account of yours and you need to stump <laughs> up some money and get with Nev get with Nev on In Touch Productions and you need to broadcast it. Well, I was thinking that actually you might be quite relieved because you'll maybe get a Saturday afternoon off. So you won't be having to heave all the way down to London and uh, and do the commentary. Although people I know think you go all the way to Catalan on a yeah. Friday night, you you do the game, and then when they see you in the pub on a Sunday, they say, "Bye, you got back you, quick." You got back quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I, I never let the 
the truth get in the way of a good story. It's um, I love watching those Catalan games, and as you know, Bill Arthur, Terry O'Connor, and, and I have done them virtually from the beginning when they when when they were broadcast broadcast on those regular occasions, and all the really bad, awkward, uncomfortable trips, whether it was over to Barcelona and driving down to Perpignan, you always managed to swerve those, you and you oh, and the big fella. I used to love them. Oh, occasionally. Barcelona. Oh, occasionally. Barcelona. When the sun was shining and Elvino did floor, then you would put your <laughs> hand up. But me and O'Connor and Bill Arthur were doing the hard yards. Yes, front, I realised Front that. rowers. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'll so give yeah. I want them to do well. I want them to, to, to make it onto our screens in this country. But I also want the French TV broadcaster, or whether it's BN Sports or, or somebody similar, to, to give the French public or, or you know people who are interested in rugby league in that, on that side of the world the chance to watch a bloody good side play. Hear, hear to that. Hear, hear to that. Barry, we're going to end on a high. The sun is shining. The gates will be fully open this weekend. Wouldn't it be great to see houseful notices around the game. Maybe next Wednesday, COVID providing Warrington against Wigan at the Halliwell Jones Stadium and George Williams making his debut for Warrington against his former employers. Surely, surely that will attract a full house. What a game. What a game, man. Honestly, I, I can't tell you how excited I am about next week. So we've only got the one fixture this week, and it's desperately hot. Um, at the minute, I'm walking around. I'm, I'm puffing and panting. I'm, I'm sweating like O'Connor in a pie shop. I'm, I'm, I'm that damp. <laughs> so Huddersfield being the big ground that, he is, that it is, it's always nice and airy. So, so that should be okay. But next week... Listen to this for the games that we've got. Wigan Warrington Wednesday, Hull Leeds Thursday. On the Sunday, we have Leeds against Warrington at Headingley. Just before that, because it's a late kickoff on Sunday, um, me, and, me and my former club, there's a Hall of Fame dinner, which I will be involved in, but I'll also be doing a little bit of... Um, a little bit of presenting because somebody from my era is being inducted into the Hall of Fame and I will be involved with that. So I'm real looking forward to that. Fabulous. That's, that's a bit of my own private stuff. And then on Monday, Ed, Hull against St. Helens. So we've got four fixtures next week and any one of them, any one of them would be a would be a grand final, would be an exciting game to turn up to. So, so yeah, although this week is a... Is a little bit of let's catch our breath and 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 Huddersfield against Hull FC should be a good game next week is is mouth watering so thank you for inviting me on Ed I'm really pleased and and I'm and I'm honoured to step into the shoes of the great fellow I did have my bingo sorry my Steve bingo <laughs> card printed <laughs> off um, you get a lot of love on Twitter it's ninety nine percent. Positive that they want you back, just like it was ninety nine percent positive that they wanted you gone. Once you shut you, yeah, exactly. yeah when, <laughs> when you were in those last few months. But um, I shall keep hold of my Steve O Bingo card and maybe even chuck a few in over the weekend, but only in honour of the beast. Indeed, so Barry, it's been a pleasure to catch up again, and thank you very much for stepping into the breach. Uh, hopefully, the builders will have gone this time next week, and the lad. We'll be back and you have a fantastic week. Those fixtures you've just mentioned, they are mouth-watering and look forward to seeing each 
and every one of them every single minute. I'm with you, Eddie, and superb rugby league. It's the best game in the world. Barry, thanks a million. Thanks a lot. <laughs>